Welcome to Power, Strength and Vulnerability, the mental health podcast. It's time to make mental health a normal conversation with your host, Shane Kelton. Welcome to another podcast, Power, Strength and Vulnerability. I'm your host, Shane Kelton, and I'm here with Chris and Boo Capuano. Uh, I've just got a couple of quotes here from Chris. Um, he says, I do really want to share my story as I really want to want to help others. And I commend you on that. That's, that's exceptional. Um, there's another quote here. I want to share it. I'm bringing all, all this stuff up in the past, which I've done bad is what I don't like. Um, but I know it will help others, which is why I'm making myself do it. Um, and I also commend you on that. And I wanted to bring that up. So the listeners out there understand that this is still ongoing for you. Yeah, definitely is. Um, and still something you struggle with. And um, I guess I want you to just introduce yourself first, name, age, yeah. occupation, where you live and stuff like that, just so the public, I guess, can... Yeah, no worries. Um, my name's Chris Capuano, I'm 37 years old, um, married, three kids, uh, work uh, at a workplace where I've been for nearly 18 years now. Um, so yeah, that's you. That's yep. you. <laughs> Pretty and much. Our lovely wife here, yep. Betty. Betty. How you going? <laughs> um, that, so you're both a little bit nervous. Yes. Or, yeah. 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 Um, and that's completely fine. Everyone's very nervous on here, especially if it's not not something um, we've done before. No. First question. Yeah. Um, what I guess did you want to come in and talk about briefly? Um, just a little snippet. Um, and when did that start for you? Um. I want to talk about my anxiety and depression, which uh, the depression probably came on later in life, but the anxiety I believe I've probably been dealing with since I was a kid, like five years old type thing. Um, I remember in primary school going to, you know, go stay at a friend's house and I'd be having the friend's mum ring my parents to come pick me up because I couldn't stay there anymore. I had to go home because I was worried that... I'd get home, my parents weren't there or something like that. So, um, yeah, so I think I've been dealing with the anxiety side since a very young age and my I think my mum deals with anxiety and depression as well. So, yeah. maybe something I've sort of carried over from her, but yeah. so A genetic type or copycat type? Possibly. I don't, I don't know. I know she does deal with it, so I haven't done any research into it if you yeah, sort yeah. of get it off your parents or whatever. But yeah, so I, I, that's the earliest memory I have of dealing with anxiety. So When was the first time you realised that that was anxiety growing up? Because as a kid, you, yeah. I guess you, you almost think you're just weird or different. Probably more when I was a teenager, um, high schoolish, doing stuff where I'd be like I was in the army cadets and you'd have to go away on school holidays for like a week. And I used to be really nervous about that but because my brother was in it as well, I was going away with him, so it made it easier, I think. But I think that's sort of when I sort of realised, you know, I wouldn't be able to do that by myself, but I could do it with... I had someone there I knew, like my brother, like yep. a family member. So um, I think there was once where he couldn't go for some reason, and I could, I didn't go because I couldn't go. No, that was yeah. It. That so was it and I think that was like when I started realizing that I, there is something going on where I can't do stuff by myself, sort of thing. So yep. yeah, when you when I was younger, it was more just you know you probably didn't. It was just like oh, I wanted to go home. I didn't feel well. I felt sick. Yeah, you know, yeah. like it, not really linking it to that anxiety thing because you don't really know about it. 
but the the sickness side of it, having the, you know feeling sick in the stomach, feel like you're going to throw up because you're that anxious about yeah, stuff, yeah. was more just like I suppose I feel sick, I've got to go home. Yeah, and so back then, no one really would have thought of anxiety. Or- I think my mum did because she dealt with it because they actually took me to in grade five, I think it was. They took me to like a psychiatrist or something yeah. like that. I don't really remember much. I remember sitting in the room and. I don't remember what we spoke about, but I know, like, if you talk to my mum about it now, she'll say that we only went, like, once or twice because I wouldn't talk. Yeah. I'd just sit there quiet and wouldn't answer any of the questions that the lady was asking and all that sort of stuff. So, they couldn't really get me help that way, I suppose, yeah. but not because I was so young, so... Is that, looking back now, is that you were scared of being judged or just scared of the unknown or... I'm not sure, to be honest, because I was so young, I was... I still don't think... I understood what it was. You know, they said, I've got to go speak to this lady because, you know, I shouldn't, I should be able to go stay at other people's houses and stuff. And yeah, I don't really remember much about it, but yeah, so it's more, yeah, I I just remember little bits and pieces, but. What, what was life like as a kid growing up, um, family wise, um, house wise? So dad was in the army for 20, 25 years, 23 years or something. So we moved everywhere. Um, I think I went to seven different schools and I left school after year 10. So between prep and year 10, I went to seven different schools from moving everywhere. Um, You know, it probably didn't really help me much, I think, because going to a new school, trying to make new friends and stuff like that was very difficult for me. Um, And I think I was more of a larrikin because of that because I tried to fit in with the, the cool kids I suppose to make friends but you from to fit in really quickly I guess yeah yeah I hated going to a new school every time I just dreaded it but family wise you know I had my brother till he was 17 he joined the navy he's two years older than me so he left home when I was 15-ish and it was just me at home with mum and dad but yeah fine you know mum and dad always gave me everything I wanted yeah. and stuff spoiled me rotten and gave me money for lunch every day at school <laughs> never had to take a sandwich but yeah so family yeah growing up was yeah definitely yeah. I mean for, what I'm trying to get is from mm. the outside it looks pretty normal yeah well this well do you have any issues definitely exactly to do with anything yeah. mentally yeah um you wouldn't you think just, so <laughs> yeah you, you, you wouldn't um, no so I mean you were the larrikin through that was we popular so you had friends yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I had friends and stuff. Um, you know, as much as I hated going to a new school, trying to make new friends, I think that sort of larrikin sort of, I don't want to say thug, but like <laughs> bully <laughs> type kids. Yeah. Um, probably helped me get those cool kid friends, you know, straight away sort of thing, if you want to call it that, cool yeah. kids. Um, but yeah, I played sport, you know, my whole life I was always good good at everything not like excellent at one thing i was like i could do anything played badminton soccer rugby cricket footy did everything so golf golf, golf. yeah i'm trying did to picture, works. i'm trying to picture you playing badminton like yeah yeah, it, but. yeah definitely so i could i was good at everything just not like super duper at one thing like some people are like really good at one thing yeah don't do anything else i was like good at everything so yeah yeah so i've only met, met you in the last year at yard Glen. Mm-hmm. um how long have you lived around the area that we live in, I guess? Um, so, we moved to Churnside, just around the corner from you. Um, how many years ago was that now? It was in 2005. 2005, we bought a house on Switchback Road. Moved there, it was our first house we bought. Um, and we sold that about six years. Six years. How long were we there for? 
Seven years or something, Seven, like. Seven years. Sold that and then bought a house in Yarra Glen. I bought property in Yarra Glen, built a house on it. Um, and we've been there for about six years now, I think, as well. So, How long have you two been together? Since, 22 years. Yeah, 22 years. I was 16 and she was 17. So, um, young love. Yes. Young love. Yeah. When he was a larrikin. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Our first kid when we were 18, 17 and 18. Mm-hmm. Oh, how was that? Was with Scary. your mental health as uh, well? Very difficult, especially for Betty. Um, you know, I was off just doing stuff, not being home, yeah. you know, helping look after Zach, our eldest, and she was having to do it all herself. And, you know, I was like a 17-year-old, 18-year-old kid, you could say. Yeah. Just running around causing havoc instead of being at home looking after the family. Yeah. So yeah. it was very difficult for, for Betty. How, how was it for you? Well, it was hard because he wasn't there, but I just took it in my stride. You didn't really know anything else? No. It, I felt at the beginning that when we had Zach that he was put into a situation that maybe wasn't what he wanted. Yeah, yeah. So I just sort of let him do his own thing. Yeah. yeah. Was it, I mean, being an 18-year-old male at one point myself, um, was it that you did want to go out and party with friends or was it you were running from anxiety about the, I mean, your anxieties and depressions and stuff, was it running away from that, basically, what you um, rather than running away from your family, which it may have seemed like to some people? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Look, it was, um, it was difficult. We are living, obviously, out of home at that point, renting. You know, Betty wasn't working. I was doing, like, an apprenticeship or something, trying to pay rent and stuff. And, yeah, 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 definitely, I think that, Definitely plays a big part in it for sure. Because I mean, you spoke about uh, money, st- uh, money stress. Yeah, I'm a mass money stresser for sure. Yeah, even, even when I shouldn't need, even really should be stressing about it, I'm stressing about it all the time. So yeah, that's that's a that's a male thing. Yeah. Genetically uh, told and brought up, saying we are meant to be the breadwinners. When yeah. partners sometimes just don't care about the money. Yeah. <laughs> it's about being family orientated. And, yeah, but I bring that up now because you know. Through that time, money would have probably been hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And then yeah, you got your anxiety, you've got your stress around money, then you're going out and you're probably spending all of it and then it's a recurring cycle, yeah. which is probably what a lot of males through that age go through, mm-hmm. with or without kids, mm-hmm. realistically. Yeah. Get money, spend money, get money, spend money, and then they got nothing. Yeah. So I guess I just wanted to put that out there. Yeah. No real no. question behind <laughs> it. Um, no, that's all right. I guess I want to then now speak about the next couple of years for you, your family, yep. how you went mentally from there. Yep. So um, it was, I suppose, a time um, when we were living in Burnside um, where, you know, I was stressing about money probably more than I should be, paying off a house and stuff. Um, made some bad decisions um, to try and make more money for the family uh, where I was... Uh, growing weed and selling it. Um, at the same time, I was hanging around with a lot of people I shouldn't have been hanging around with, bad influences, doing bad shit. Um, and just before I got uh, arrested for, um, you know, growing the weed and selling it, um, it sort of came out to be that I was doing a lot of stuff behind her back that I shouldn't have been, um, yep. sleeping around and stuff when I was hanging around with these people, drinking and stuff. So, um, And then right at that same point in time as well, so I was trying to sort of deal with that 
together um, with the anxiety and depression. And then at the same time, you know, the cops roll up on the door and take me down the station and get interviewed and stuff and then end up having to go to court. So I got a court date and um, literally, like, from that next day onwards, I was an absolute wreck. I was laying in bed. I couldn't get out of bed. I was just stressing about, you know, if I was to go to jail, what would happen to the family, who's going to help pay for everything. Um also trying to, you know, keep my marriage together as well, I suppose, you know, knowing what I've done is wrong, obviously. Um, and it was a really, really difficult time, like, trying to even just go to work still, just crying all the time. Um, yeah, I remember trying to ring my parents one day at work to let them know, and it was probably weeks later after it all happened because I was at a point where I just didn't know what to do. Yeah. You know, I needed a lawyer, all this sort of stuff, and I was just wasn't in the right headspace to organise all that sort of stuff, so... It was like a lunchtime at work. I went out to my car, sat in my car just bawling and just called my mother to, to let her know what was going on and I could hear the disappointment in her voice as well and I think she started crying, had to hand me over to Dad because she yeah. couldn't talk and then and Dad ended up leaving work and driving straight down to my work to come and sit with me and talk about it and, yeah, it was a very difficult time in our lives. Um, but, yeah, I, I ended up on antidepressants as well. Um, yeah. You know, I obviously went to the doctor because I just I couldn't get out of bed, wasn't eating, um, doing nothing really. Um, yeah, and antidepressants for me wasn't, I mean, it helped me at that point in time um, to sort of level me out. Yeah. But, you know, as the months went on, it was, I knew it wasn't the right thing for me yeah. um, long term. Um, I understood it was really good at the time to get me out of that space of just laying in bed and stuff, but... I was like a zombie yeah, on them. Yeah. Like I, you go from you know having these real bad feelings and stuff to I had no feelings. I was just a blank stare no when I was on them. No emotion at all. Like no happiness, no sadness, just zero emotion. I'd yeah. just be a blank canvas. Like so, we knew it wasn't good long term, but it was good to just get me out of bed and stuff at least. So I eventually sort of weaned off them, stopped taking them. Um, How are we at this stage? Twenties, early twenties. Yeah, mid mid would have been mid twenties. So it would have been the late twenties, mid mid twenties. Yeah, mid to late. Yeah, we've been in Yarragon now six years. Done in the house, doing all that. So maybe yeah, probably mid to probably like twenty seven, something like that. Maybe give a little bit of grace, say ten years ago. Yeah, yeah. Um, Betty, how I guess it's up to you what you want to share. Um, but how was it for you? I mean. He's done wrong by you, but at the same time, we obviously love him. You, he's going through his depression and he's about to go to court. How was that for you? I'm guessing, obviously, mixed emotions. I think my only choice at that time was just to support him. Yeah. Didn't want to. Yeah. I hate him. Not for everything, like, not for going to court or the drugs or that sort of side of it. I hated everything else that come out. Yeah. So it was all that. But I knew that if I had turned to my back or walked away, he wouldn't be here today. Yeah, yeah. As that support for you? Because you probably at the same oh, time feel you deserve it. Literally, if she had to walk out the door and I had to deal with that myself, I, yeah, I know I wouldn't be here today. There's no way. It doesn't matter what anyone else would have said. But, yeah, she's my everything. And even though as much as I, I did wrong to her and I know, you know, and I, at that time, um, you know, trying to save the marriage and stuff, um, yeah, if, if, if she had gone, that would have been the end of me, I reckon. How were your parents through this? I guess your mum having gone through some mm. symptoms of anxiety and depression oh. herself. How were they? Just 
doing whatever they could to help me. Like, yeah. And you Obviously, you know, that. they were living they were living in Pakenham at the time, yep. I believe. So, yeah, they yes, were, yeah. So um, they couldn't be, like, on my doorstep every day or anything like that. But just to, yeah, just always ask me if I'm all right, anything I need, making sure, you know, on top of stuff that I needed to be on top of for court. You know, Dad was taking me to, I had to see cancellors after, before court, but after I got arrested, I had to go see cancellors and that before we went to court for my um, barrister or whatever. Mm. Um, and he would take me there, sit with me. Um, he, I think he even cried in one of them as well. Yeah. So, um, How was that like a big, I mean, army guy? Right. Oh, he's one of the toughest guys I know. So, yeah, it was, yeah. <laughs> it was a, it was a shock, but also at the same time. Massive shock, but at the same time you realise, you know, you know they care about me and they love you, but you just realise, you know, how sort of, yeah, yeah, and how deep that actually runs. You know, he's a big family person. He's, you know, he's always about looking after family. Family comes first, so, and it, yeah. And it hurt him in that. Oh, the, the pain I put everyone through, not just... Him, but you know everyone yeah you know i couldn't even for years after that i couldn't even face people that we knew that were our mutual friends that i knew knew what had happened yeah yeah um so yeah been tough <laughs> yeah i mean what happened with the court case uh, so i went like yeah that? went to court um sat, sat in the courtroom absolutely panicking you know there's this guy there me you know shaved head tattoos but I had to cover it or a long sleeve shirt and they just to cover up as much as I could so the judge wouldn't see it not that you'd think it'd matter because he shouldn't be judging a book by its cover but well yeah it happens so you know you're sitting there and you've got to sit in there and you've got to watch other people first go before you're in the room and you're watching how he deals with them and you're just seeing how much of a he's been to them and you're just like I'm done for for sure so you just you know I nearly passed out I reckon about three times nearly spewed up like I was just felt so sick and anxious and just thought my life was over um finally it was my turn stood up he read through all the notes while I was standing there he was staring me straight in the eyes not saying anything asked a couple of questions made a few comments like he sees people like that every day going in there and you know maybe he needs to make an example of someone and i'm just like oh god and and then he ended up giving me um intensive corrections order which was uh like 250 hours community service had to be done after my work yeah um and on weekends whatever it took had to do a certain amount of hours a week um, and I was on probation. I was on probation. Yeah, probation. We had to go see uh, in Lilydale at the probation's office, the cop, like this little pop chop probation office thing. In the library, you got to go there once a week and check in, make sure you're still in town and haven't left anywhere. Yep. Not allowed to leave the state um, while you're doing all that. So was hard I had to do all that after hours after work on weekends so I was doing Friday I'd leave work early Friday do it for six hours Friday afternoon then I'd do Saturday and Sunday as well because I had to do a certain amount of hours and I couldn't not work full-time as well so I did that for a year and a half two years had no weekends had to do that Friday afternoons um did you have the two, one, two or three kids by then? Three. All three. Okay. So, I mean, how was that for both of you? You probably didn't get to see the kids much. You didn't see him, which might have been a blessing at that stage anyway. I don't know. No, I don't, I don't know. I, don't, I think it, it was hard. Like, I remember it being hard just thinking because they're boys. Yeah. I, I mean, first of all, it was like 
you were just happy you didn't go to jail. Yeah, yeah. you would have worked twenty four seven, seven days a week and not slept. That for was the fact. Yeah. Year. You know, you did whatever. You didn't care. You just you yeah. weren't going to jail. You were happy. I was happy. I wasn't going to jail. I could sort this out now and still support my family and yeah. still try and mm. eat and ending. You yeah. know, the bad stuff I've done marriage wise, um, and it affected my work too because you know I had to go into state for a, a um, work work meeting and. I had to say to the boss, well, I can't go because unless you, you have to write a note to the provider, they have to give permission, they have yeah. to, you have to give them flight details where I'm going, what time, what time I'll be back into the state, which work did for me, which was good. And work was a big help for me anyway with yeah. going to court. Like I had to tell them because if I was going to jail, like I can't just not show up. Like, yeah. I've been there already like 12 years at that point or whatever. And he was really good. My boss, he, um, you know, wrote me a letter to, you know, character reference for the court and all that sort of stuff. So, but yeah, it was hard because then you got people at work, you know, that don't know. Only my boss knew and yeah. everyone else at work didn't know. So you're trying to sort all that out to go away for this meeting without them knowing, you know, yeah. getting this stuff sorted. But yeah, so, and then when it finished, it was like the best day ever. That last day, finished those last few hours of that community service stuff and, um, and it sort of hit again, I think, two days later. I got a call from the cops that arrested me saying... Mm. And when I answered the phone and he's like, such and such, I just, my gut just dropped. I'm yeah. like, I've just finished. Like, what's what have I done wrong now? I'm going, you know, have I not finished something properly? Have I done something to breach the thing and they're going to come and get me? And he's trying to get more information out of me about other stuff, you know, to other leads and stuff. And yeah. I'm just like, just leave me alone. I'm finished now. I don't yeah. want nothing to do with it, anything. Like, I'm done. I'm done. Mm. Don't call me ever again. Like, go away. Yeah. But I just remember that time. It was just, I was driving the car and I was just, yeah. You see it in your face now. Your, heart, <laughs> your heart's like sinking now, mm. thinking back to the both. <laughs> You're like, yeah, oh, just, that phone call. It was. But even that night after I finished, we were going out to Foo Fighters or something in the city that night. That day I finished that last eight yeah. hours of the, the order and I got picked up after there and it was like the best celebration ever. But I went into the city and just wrote myself off and tried to fight police officers and all sorts of stuff. Yeah. Like got kicked out of the concert, trying to punch on with cops out the front, like getting dragged away by Betty and her sister and... Apparently, I called me brother. <laughs> I was like crying on the phone to him, but yeah, you know what I mean. Like I just finished that, and I'd gone and just wrote myself off and started being a dickhead again. So yeah, yeah. So was it lesson not learnt, or was it just finally I'm out of the eighteen months of? I think it was just a release. Yeah, yeah. I think it was just a release. Because you wouldn't have had a release through that eighteen months, no. really. You, you can't do anything. No. So it was just a release. Yeah, probably, but. Shouldn't have done it, but yeah. you know, like, yeah, <laughs> could have, you know, once if the cops arrested me and took me away again, I would have definitely gone to jail. Mm. Like, yeah. just stupid, but I think, yeah, it was just that happy that I just drank too much, but yeah. Anyway. And it probably wouldn't have taken much to thank you very much. So, um, guess through this time for the kids, what did they know? Nothing. Nothing? Nothing. And they didn't ask questions. They were. They all know now? No. Only the eldest. Only my eldest knows. I um, spoke to him just after his 18th, I think it was. But he only knows about the drugs. He doesn't know about yeah. anything else. Um, yeah. Let him know about that and what happened at that point in time. 
Um, I'll probably do the same with my other two boys once they get a bit old, you know, once they're 18 sort of thing. How old are they now? 17, 17 and 14. 14, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so. is it just, I guess, on the parent, is it just a warning to them to, that this is, I mean, the potential mm. if you sort of follow that bad path? I think so. I think it was, at the time with Zach, something was happening or going on with Zach at the time to where it got to the stage where you just went, no, I have to tell him because he needs to understand mm. what was going on. Probably because he was, was partying was a lot questions and stuff. being asked or something was going on. Your gun licence. Oh, that's, your yes, gun that's license, what I was. Applying for your gun licence. So because, of, because I've been arrested and got a... Um, uh, a record now. Yeah, I, my brother and my dad were applying for the gun license, and I wanted to too go hunting and stuff with them. Um, if you've got a record, you can't get a gun license, yeah. obviously. Um, but I knew that after five years of finishing um, whatever the thing was, which for me was my intensive correction order, you can then apply for your gun license. So it was probably a year before that five years was up. And they were applying, and I'm like, I'm just going to apply, see what happens. Um, and it's normally a couple of month process. It was like nine months ago, but I haven't heard nothing. And I was didn't want to ring him because I didn't want to, yeah. you know. Yeah. And Zach was going to get his at the same time too. So they all got theirs, and I still haven't got mine. And I'm making all these excuses up in the world why they haven't given me mine yet to him and stuff. Like, you know, maybe they're just checking something out. Maybe they've lost the paperwork, like, because I didn't want to tell him. Yeah. Um. And yeah, it was like nine months later, and he's like, "Why? What's going on?" You know, he's still asking questions, and I just said, "I'm, I'm just gonna have to tell him." Like he's 18 now, like it's just stupid that I'm just mm. making up all these excuses to him about why I haven't got mine yet, and they all got theirs, and gotta wait another year type thing. And so yeah, just let him know. And mm. yeah, yeah, I had a bit of a cry when I was telling him, I think, because yeah. I was a bit embarrassed. And um, yeah, so. And, yeah, it was just a, more of a warning to him as well that stuff can go wrong. You know, you think you're doing the right thing. Like, I thought I was doing the right thing, even though I knew it was wrong. Yeah, yeah. Trying to support the family, make some more money. Um, and, yeah, just to, you know, it's our bad decisions. I just wanted to let him know that mm. our, you know, silly decisions in life can just come back and bite you in the ass big time. Has it opened up a communication with him that he might now come to you? With things, yeah, he comes to us about a lot anyway. Yeah, yeah, mm. we're, all, we're pretty lucky with all three of them. Um, they might not come directly to you, but you can sort of tell, or they can open up just that little bit where you know that they're opening up to say something. They might walk away, and we'll just go, mm, "That doesn't yeah. seem right." So then you know they need to go and ask them more questions, and then they're more forthcoming. Yeah. Um. So we're lucky that way that they they do open up because our our middle child suffers quite severely from yeah. anxiety. Actually, I think all three of them bit suffer from anxiety, mm. but depression sort of Jaden and Dak have a bit of yeah. depression. So. Well, that's good that they're very very open. Mm. That's hard to think kids, and I guess so. yeah. Like I sit here and commend you on that because I do speak to a lot of parents who whose kids don't open up. And it, I mean, sometimes that's not the parents' fault at all. That's just the way the kids are. Yep. But that's, I think, when you have open children, that does have a lot to do yeah. with that upbringing. And obviously, it helps. I just hound them until they tell me. Yeah. <laughs> no, not that bad, but yeah. <laughs> you need to, because they do, mm. you need to be able to like, trust both ways. That yep. if there is something wrong, you can tell them. I guess you probably know that now if you're stressed or anxious or depressed, go to her rather than. Mm. She usually knows before I do. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, we've been together that long now. She knows, yeah, she can read me like a book. So, well, what are the symptoms you see, the signs you see in him? Uh, straight away, it's his demeanour. Yeah. He's, he's, before anything sort of hits, he'll sort of just be a little bit 
was a bit quiet or a little bit down and, you know, would go to bed extra early, um, won't play on his game, the PlayStation won't, and you start to sort of pick things up and you just you sort of, yeah. Close. The communication doesn't stop but it sort of lacks a little bit because, like, you would just say, oh, how was your day? Yeah, yeah. sort of thing. There's nothing back. And then um, he also becomes, he. I feel that he suffers from separation anxiety also. So if I'm going somewhere, yeah. he's on me. Yeah. Where are you going? How long are you going to be? What are you doing? And then it's the messages. So I can see it coming yeah. before it hits. Yeah. Yeah, no way. No idea. I do. Like, I realize after I do it. Like, yeah. Yeah. Literally. And it only takes a message from her back going, why are you asking so many questions? And I straight away go, oh, shit. You yeah. know, I just send her like five messages going, mm-hmm. why are you? Where are you? How long till you get home? So, but the other side of that is, is the, I suppose, the social anxiety side where mm. I don't go he with her. Go anyway. Yeah. She'll go, let's go out here. No, I want to go. Yeah. Mm. And she'll go by herself. And then I'll message her, where are you? How long till you get home? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's just stupid. Yeah. She can't win. <laughs> no. <laughs> so, no, Alicia, not at all. Alicia's probably listening out of the room going, that sounds like me. I can't ever win. No. Um, and that's so, why males are, mm. males are worse than females, I reckon. <laughs> um, how was the depression anxiety? Is there anything else, I guess, in that area from the court mm. case before and prior that you want to mm. bring up and speak about? Um, just probably self-sabotage stuff that I quite often do. Um, when I was – I'll give two examples. Um, I was in a role at work where I was the operations manager um, and I don't like dealing with people issues and being such a stress head and have anxiety in that, I'm always worried about – I doing the right thing? Should I be doing this? Should I be doing that? How should I have handled that situation? Um, and being in that role just wasn't helping me at all because I was coming home angry, stressed, worrying all the time. Got to a point where I think it was around the same time where we just moved into the house. We just built it, just moved in, and who had to go overseas for um, like a work wedding. thing. Yeah, a wedding where she was helping do the photography. And being in a new house like whole new environment, knowing she was having to go away and being in that role at work, I was just an absolute wreck. I was I was going downhill really quick, depression and all that sort of stuff and got to a point where I was at work, hadn't eaten for three days and that, really lightheaded. Um, I was in my office with the door shut. There's people in the next room and that working, had lights off with my head just on the desk on my hands probably like 9.30 in the morning, and I was just thinking of any way to get out of this situation whatsoever. And I think, honestly, in the back of my brain, I was also thinking getting out of this, whatever I did to get out of this situation may also make Boo not go away because she'll have to stay and look after me. Yeah, yeah. So, and no one knows this, and I don't even think Betty knows this. I don't think I've actually told her but because she actually had to come to work that day because they had to call the ambulance. But I actually got up grabbed my mug and smashed myself in the forehead with it to knock myself out so that someone would have to come in and call the ambulance. And and then Betty rocked up as well because the ambulance was there and stuff. And so... Did you know that? I didn't know that, but I knew that something more was... There was more to the story because what he doesn't realise is he said he fell and he said he doesn't remember falling. But when he fell, he fell sideways, but yet he had a mark on the front of his face. So he thinks that I don't realise things or I don't know things, but I knew that there was more to the story. Yeah. And just the way that the story was told to me, I'm like, no, it doesn't make sense from what you're telling me. You're there. No. To the mug, no, I didn't know that, but I knew that there was more to it than... 
and that maybe like he'd headbutted his desk yep. or something out of frustration. I didn't no, it was think, yeah, 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 I yeah. would have thought more just out of frustration, headbutted Bang. his desk. Uh, then he's gotten up and gone, oh, yeah. shit, and yeah. then fallen. Um, but no. You knew something. I knew something Something was more to it. I just didn't know what. So I, I, I've done something similar as well. I was banging my head against a brick wall at a mate's house the night before I tried to take my own life. I came back in and they said, oh, what happened? And I said, I just tripped down the stairs and hit my head. Mm. No questions asked. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I sat at 15 minutes back mm. there, trying to, basically the same thing, trying to get myself into a position where I'd be taken to hospital or, or something, just mm. acting out in a way yeah. to get, and attention is the right word, but at the same time, mm. it's not, you don't want the attention, but you do. Yeah. It's a really weird thing mm. to talk about, so. And she was, like, I remember there's one thing that stands out from that point, and I remember I was in, I was either on the floor and the Ambos were there, I think, and my boss was there and Betty was there as well. And he was like, oh, we've got to take him, like, he needs to not come to work or something and have two weeks off. And he I remember called, one thing, was off, it? He called me into the office. Yeah. I remember one thing that he said to him was, no, he needs to have his routine. He yes. needs to, he needs to have that go to work every day. Yeah. He can't, if he stays home, he'll be worse because he'll just lay in bed all day. He yeah. needs to have that routine and go to work every day. Maybe not do that role. But he needs to go to work every day. He can't just sit home. So I remember that still sticks out in my brain and it, you know, um, rings true with, you know, everything I've heard from the other podcasts that you've had on and what you've said about, you know, having the routine and stuff like that. So, and that's still stands out to this mm. day that, you know, she was already on it then going, yeah. no, he needs to go to work. He can't stay home because he'll go downhill straight away. Yeah. It's not just that. You take something away where they already feel like they're failing. They really already feel like they can't do things. You take that away and it's putting it straight back into the hand. It's giving them that rope almost, yeah. you know. You're taking that, maybe that one thing that gives them just that little bit of familiar, I've got a little bit of control here. Yeah. And um, I said to him, no, you can't You can't take that away because if you do, you're, you're pushing him in the wrong direction. He needs this to know that it's stable. He needs to know that this is still going to function. We're still going to get through this on this end. This is yeah. his routine. You can't change it. It's pretty impressive all round, to be honest. Because um, a lot of people would just go, yeah, let's have him home, and it, yeah, it would fall. Mm. It does fall the other way mm. quite, quite quickly as well. Mm. It's can be very destructive. So mm. that's good to be fair, especially for yeah. doing that. Well, just, yeah, I just didn't want to see him. He's been in the lounge room through Christmas holidays, smacking himself in the head. I was, um, yeah, I was sitting in the shower. I was Christmas. Yeah, everyone Christmas was time. over, and I don't know why. I just was. I was happy in the morning and then just went downhill. And yeah. everyone's, there's like 30 people in our house celebrating Christmas on Christmas Day. They go into the shower and I'm just crying for yeah. no reason at all. And I just start punching myself in the face. Come out with black eyes and welts yeah. everywhere and sat in the lounge room crying in front of everyone, hiding under like two pillows. Mm. So, all family. Yep. Do they already know about. His, his depression was yeah. pretty high then, so they did know that he's yeah. depression. Yeah, so you, you, in a way you kind of felt comfortable, but uncomfortable, I guess, mm. going out there. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's like, I think it's the same with the the work incident. It's like it's almost like I know there's something wrong, like feelings inside, and it's like, I don't want to say crying for help or crying for attention, but it's almost like you're frustrated with yourself that much that you hurt yourself. At the same time, you want someone to say, something wrong with him are you okay yeah you know what i mean yeah. it's almost like that's what to me it sort of feels like yeah so because otherwise you do it like that punch yourself 
shit out of yourself in the shower and then you just hide in your room where no one can see you. Why would you come out so everyone can see you just done it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So. I think you've summed it up pretty well. Yeah. There's a lot of people out there so, so, definitely resonate with that as well. Yeah, it's, it's almost like you want someone to say, are you okay? Because a lot of the time, as you know, people don't know what you're going through so they're not going to randomly just say, are you okay? Yeah. Which is what you sort of want sometimes. Yeah. So you can go, no, I'm not. I'm not okay at the moment. I guess... Okay, that that brings a question to nowadays. Do you feel like that you do have that ability to have more open conversations about your mental health rather than actually going down that path of physically hurting yourself? I used to, we'd be around people and someone would bring up mental health issues or anxiety or depression and Boo used to say, oh yeah, Chris suffers from that and I would crack the shits. Yeah. Absolutely crack the shits that she even brought it up. And then felt embarrassed and stuff. Uh, probably the last year and a half. Say a year and a half. Um, I've been really open with it, talking to other people, the friends of mine that have had issues as well and talking about it, um, what I've gone through and what I sort of do to deal with it sometimes. And I've been a lot more open mm. recently. And, and we've had conversations even this year with people down at the footy no, club and, and I'm just talk about it like it's not like it's nothing but I'm just open book yeah, now yeah. so like it it's yeah. part of who we are who you are mm. and it's not something to be ashamed of anymore well that's yeah. it I think back one of my biggest things I actually just said it to someone not long ago was it makes you more of a man to be able to ask for that help mm. than to sit there and try and or not necessarily deal with it by yourself, but sit there and just make it, allow it to get worse. Yeah. Speak up, you know, get that help you, you deserve, you know. Everybody get everybody deserves help. Yeah. You know, I think it makes you so much of a stronger person to be able to say, hey, I can't do this. Help, you know. That's, I'm going to quote all of that, basically. <laughs> <laughs> it is important. And it's, yes. it's like it's, like men can talk about it and everything, but coming from a female who knows a male in that situation, some of those words can be so instrumental mm. to other females yep. who might expect guys to just tough things out because there is that stigma around it, to be honest, like mm. it, and it's slowly fading yep. as more males come out and say, actually, I've been dealing with this for 20 years. I just haven't been so scared, and they're like, yep. oh, shit, because yeah. it's their brother or their son or their dad or their uncle or someone they've loved yep. and seen through it. So it is it impacts Mm. other females and then males talking to each other over a beer over a coffee whatever it might be yeah then helps that yeah. so and i saw you smile then which obviously when you do talk to males and have that conversation it does make you feel better within yourself yeah definitely i'm guessing a lot of other people probably share with you as well and yeah you would like, I've, had, on. I've had friends that have come up to me that i'd never even thought would be you know have any of those sort of issues and would come up and say can we talk yeah. you know um I've been having some issues lately and I know you deal with it and I just want to have a talk to you about it, you know. So, yeah. It's, um, and it's good It's good. It. Yeah, it is good. It's good knowing that you can, you know, hopefully help them, give yeah. them some sort of advice, let them know how you've dealt with certain things that's similar to what they're probably dealing with and just hope that that can help them, you know, along and just let them know you're always there yeah. to talk to, you know. It's not like this is the only time we can talk about it if you need to call me later or whatever as well on next week and, you know, go for it. I'm always here. So in saying that, I do only have a really select group, close group of friends. Um, I'm a very closed group. Don't let any people in at all. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, if you're in, you're in. And it only takes one wrong thing and you're out for me, <laughs> isn't it? You, you've got to look back on your past remember mm. a lot of your things that happened to you 
were because of your mates. Yeah, yeah. Your so-called, so-called mates. mates. Yeah. You know, situations yeah. we got put into were because of mm, exactly. Mates, you know? Yeah. Your decisions might not have been the right ones at the time, but the situations that mm. came of that were because of your mates. Yeah. So I don't, I don't want to talk too much about it, but I have, no, I have a friend who was just heavily addicted to ice. Mm-hmm. Um, when he hung around us, he was fine. As soon as he hung around that other crowd, it was just, mm-hmm. it's just what he did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just, so it does. That group of people you surround yourself with yeah. has a huge impact on what you do and don't do yeah. going mm-hmm. forward. I think for us, though, like with the, with the selling of the dough, the growing it more was we don't actually do it. Yeah. We so. don't actually smoke it. It was just simply where he could get money. The he, stress of yeah money. And that, you know, and when people, there's only a select people that know about it, when you actually say that, they go, so why would you do that? Yeah, you know, yeah. if you're not smoking it, like, why, you know? He would say, because I thought that that's what I needed to do. That, yeah. to me, was the right thing to do at the time because that's what I needed. Yeah. How I needed to get money. And know? I'm guessing this, but oh, I don't know, but you wouldn't be the only one that's fallen into the No, absolutely not. All. Absolutely not. There's yeah. heaps of people out there that do, you know, it's not, like I said, it's a decision that was made at the time, yeah, not the greatest. The situation that came from it was absolutely shit-ass. But, um, you know, there's people out there that do work. Yeah, you know, well, I'm not saying what you know what went what we did was anything good, or you know, supporting that he did it was the best thing. You know, but oh, what do you is. do? You know, there are worse things out there. Yeah, hundred percent. After the all the um, I guess consequences from the court case, all the community service, all of that. How after that first night with Foo Fighters, how did everything go after that for you mentally? I guess the last. So many years. How has that been? That I mean, it's probably been a roller coaster. To, yeah. To be honest, I think the best thing that happened for me once we got to Yarry Glen after that initial, um, you know, hiccup moving in and everything being me saying we need to sell the house and go. And Betty's like, no, we just built it, and I'm yeah. like, no, nah, I can't <laughs> stay here. Like we have to go. You know, it's not right. It doesn't feel right. Um, I think the best thing was. Um, and this bloke doesn't know this either, but um, Lee Lawrence getting me down to the footy club. Like, yeah. you know, footy was always a big part of our Huge. life and my life, and I hadn't played for probably seven years, and I didn't have that group of friends, you know, and that camaraderie from the footy club and and the fitness side and all that sort of stuff that obviously helps with your um, mental capacity. Um, and, you know, I was one day I was like, back then I think Vets was 32 yet to be I was like who's playing who's playing Vets here on Facebook who's playing Vets who's playing Vets this year because I was 32 I'm like I can play Vets and then someone got on and wrote oh no it's just up the age of 35 and I was like fuck like I can't go back and play twos <laughs> and that again like come on and then Ozzy on there saw my client and said come down and play at Yarra Glen because he was coaching down there and I'm like yeah okay and I went down and that was probably the best thing, I yeah. think, because, you know, we're living in town. We don't know anyone. I'm already a reserved person as it is and don't really like leaving the house and that. And to have that getting out of the house, you know, going to training, meeting all these new people, making these new friends that live around the town that you yeah. then see when you're out at the shop and that and say hello and talk to them and stuff instead of just going to the shop, going home, was probably the best thing, I think, I getting me back to playing footy again. Mm. And um, haven't stopped playing since, sort of thing. Besides that year, a couple of years back after we won the grand final to get me knee done because I hurt me knee. So you're back. Like old age started getting you. Still, yeah. <laughs> probably still getting you. Up it's the, the yeah, it's the body. The brain thinks I'm still 21, <laughs> but the the body definitely doesn't. <laughs> um, what else in that period of time have you done to help yourself? 
help as a couple, help as a family, just everything. I know you just recently went on a trip. Is that something you try and do? That was that was our first ever overseas family trip, and that was really hard for me. Yeah. Um, because you know, there's a lot of countries that won't let me in now because yep. of my criminal record. So, and we knew we should be able to go. I should be able to go to Bali because we knew other people that have done bad stuff that have been over there um, and, and had no problems. But again, you know, you just don't know. Yeah. So the lead up was a bit stressful. Definitely, the day we were going was very stressful. Getting to the airport. Getting on the plane, getting through customs here was fine. The whole plane trip, I didn't. It was like a nighttime one. I didn't sleep, couldn't eat, couldn't drink. Felt crook, yeah. just panicking that when I got there, they were going to turn me around. And I think to cope with that, I think for weeks beforehand, we were talking about it at home, and I just randomly would keep saying to Betty, "Just be prepared that you know I might have to come home and you just have the holiday by yeah. yourself." You know, I think that was my coping mechanism to make myself ready more than her. Yeah. I think it was more to make myself not be upset or angry when, if that did happen. Yeah, yeah. That then I would go off the rails because I wasn't expecting it. I was yeah. trying to make myself expect it almost to the point where. I was going to make myself believe it was going to happen regardless. Yeah. And then once we got through customs there and that and it was fine, I was it was just like, yeah. and she would probably tell you I was a total different person. Yeah. I was up and about and let's go here. And <laughs> <laughs> but it was good. You know, we got to spend time with the family overseas, the kids. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was, it was good to get away and. And stuff. So, and then the last day coming back was panic mode again. Are they going to let me out of the country? Like, <laughs> yeah, you want to get so, out? Oh, no. That's what my brother was saying. He's like, oh, don't worry about getting in. You want to make sure you get out. And I'm like, oh, God. Uh, what What else? I mean, footy is obviously a big part of your life now. Yeah. Um, Zach's playing at Yo Glenn. No, he? Zach's not, but Jaden. Well, he might be. Well, trying might, to get him to play. Jaden and Nathaniel are. They're playing under 18s yeah. together this year. So. Yeah. The two young, the younger ones. Yeah. So, yeah, so are you, you're coming back to play yeah. vets, possibly twos, twos, twos first. If twos I can't, first, if I can't yeah. handle twos, I'll be back to vets. But um, yeah, how is that coming back to young Glenn this year? Because you've been at Manor for a couple of years. Just last, like just just year. this year playing yep. vets, just because I wanted to go. I wanted to play vets this year, yep. and obviously Yarra Glenn didn't have a side, and it was Hillsville or Mount Evan. There's no way I'd play for Hills. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I had a mate that was um, recently going through some tough, really tough times. Um, so he um, was, we'd already sort of said we were going to play vets this year together um, before he had a hard time. Um, and so we were committed to doing that and we went down and played down there together. It was really good, I think, for both of us um, to play footy together, um, play vets together down there. And yeah, so, and then, you know, Yarra Glenn getting a vet side hopefully this year and regardless I probably would have come back anyway and yeah. played twos even if Yarra Glenn wasn't getting a vet side up um, I just miss all the, the book guys down there <laughs> yeah it's a, very, it's a very good club like, yeah um, it is I found it yeah fine. I, don't, I think I'm going to find it very hard to leave if that day <laughs> like I was even stressing coming down to do that boxing last week I'd already said to um, Sammy at the supermarket yeah. I'll come down <laughs> yeah definitely and then like the, the, that day I was like Oh shit! I gotta do boxing. Oh, but once if there's these new blokes there that I don't know, you know, and I'm panicking about yeah, that. And yeah. obviously, you, we haven't really sort of, you know, hung out or anything yeah, down at footy yeah. club like I know you, and that we haven't really sort of, you know, interacted much. And I was worried about that as well. And then, 
And I rocked up and saw the same blokes that were there that you put in the post, which are all the blokes I know anyway. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, this is all right. It's yeah. all good. And then you smashed me with a box <laughs> and I nearly spewed up everywhere. Uh, I didn't smash you. You, you smashed yourself. <laughs> I just gave you the capabilities yeah. to do it. Um, footy, Emily, work, what else is it you do when the symptoms start coming back, the messages, the uh, feeling of flatness? Um, I play a lot of video games. When I say a lot, not like every night or anything. I have one night a week where I sort of play Friday night. I'll play video games um, with my brother, sometimes with my boys if they're playing as well. Um, other than that, I think... I don't know, really. Like, uh, this is the this is the part I was worried about talking about <laughs> on here because everyone else you've had on here is, you know, doing all this stuff to, you know, to improve what they're doing and that and what they're working on. And I, it was one of the things that sort of highlighted when I was listening to your, uh, your each episode of your podcast was that I'm not actively doing anything. You know what I mean, I'm not actively seeing someone weekly or fortnightly to talk about things. Um, yeah, it's uh, I, I, I don't know to be honest. Like I'm just I sort of it's, I just take every day as it comes. Yeah. Um. Yeah. It's it's weird because this this every podcast I listen to of yours is like at the end everyone's doing something and I'm like I'm not doing anything. But that's but sometimes that is the right thing to do because sometimes then it can counselling and antidepressants and having twenty things to do can mm. be that opposite effect where mm. you've got too much to do. Yeah. So keeping it pretty simple can be the perfect yeah. thing for you. I think if I was to see people or whatever and stuff like that, I think it may make me worse because I'd be talking, bringing up stuff I don't want to bring yeah. up from the past, like what we've spoken, you know, and I wrote in my messages to you. Um, I don't like thinking about those things yeah. or talking about them um, because it makes me, I feel like it makes me go backwards and go downhill. Like, yeah. Then I start stressing about that and if, if any of those thoughts ever come up, I just suppress them straight away and think about something else because I just, yeah. So I'm, I'm no expert, but I do believe that everyone has different mechanisms coping mechanisms to mm. how they deal with their things. And I don't think there's any right or wrong. Mm. It's illegal and not illegal. Yeah. But right or wrong, I don't think. I don't believe in it. Mm. I don't believe you always need to get better. Mm. You don't need to be better or worse off than anyone else that I've spoken to. Yeah. It's as long as it works for you and the family, mm. really. And if that's work and that's family, you game night on Friday night and that's footy, mm. then if that's what's getting you through and... You're just learning from each experience as they come, mm. which it sounds like you're doing. Yeah. Um, and I don't think you need to do anything more if you don't want to. Mm. It sounds like if we added more, you added more to it, you'd stress more <laughs> and more anxiety. And they were big stresses. Yeah. So, so that would, um, in essence, probably not help you. Yeah. Um, is there anything else you, either of you, would like to talk about in particular? Um, or has that covered everything? I think it's covered everything. Um, there was one, probably one more big, big episode in my life that happened twice that I probably just want to touch on quickly, yeah. um, where I had aspirations to join the army, um, and I joined once when I was younger, like when, we, when we were really young, just after we had Zach. It's probably eight, nine, eighteen, nineteen, something. Yeah, just and I didn't even go in to the city that day. Like, I'd done all the tests, went in, did everything, passed, got in. Uh, I was going to be a crewman in a leopard tank. Didn't even go into the city to get on the bus that day. Couldn't so, you did it. all the hard stuff. Did everything for six to eight months beforehand. Oh, the yeah. day came to go. No. The day before, you, 
you excited, keen to go? Massively. And, then and then my up. parents even came down because we were renting a house in Lillardale. Um, they came down from Packenham where they were living, I think, at that time. Um, stayed the night to come in with us and everything. And that morning, like, to get up at five in the morning to go in, I was, no, nah, we're not going. As soon as you wake up, you're done. Not going. I, I, I honestly don't think I slept all night. Or, or I woke up really early in the morning yeah. and then didn't go back to sleep because I was just stressing about it and what kept everything was running through my head. You know, how's Eddie and Zach going to be without me for, you know, possibly six months um, with all the training I'd have to do first before they'd finally move with me wherever I got posted to. So that was obviously a no-go. And I know Dad and Mum were disappointed, not angry or anything, but obviously disappointed. Um, I think Betty was probably a little bit disappointed at the time um, because it was something that we were, you know, it was, it's a family thing when you join the Army. The whole family has to move then to wherever you're going. That's yeah. So, you know, it was going to be a good career, you know, moving forward. And then probably five years later, six years later, maybe. No, not even. Not even? Uh, that was like in, 22, was 23, kinder. maybe. That was in kinder. I joined again, but this time um, they had a direct entry special forces that you could try out for, which was a lot longer testing and physical-wise and that. And um, every three months they would, out of the group that would go through, they'd pick from across Australia probably about 12 people. It was like two per state sort of thing or three for the biggest states and one for Tassie and that. You had to pass all these extra fitness tests and um, written tests and that, and then they'd pick, you know, out of 100 people that were trying out across the country that made it to that tryout stage, they'd only pick, like, 12 out of it. And I actually passed all that and got picked as one of the Victorian ones. And I actually went, got on the bus yep. <laughs> this time, which I thought, yeah, I'm going. Got to Kapuka, uh, started the training, and then it just went downhill from there. Like within a couple of days, I was back to I can't do this. I'm what, what, what's going? What, how's Betty coping? What's going to happen? Yeah. And started sort of self sabotaging again, I suppose, with all those thoughts. And then one day, I just got this blood nose, literally. And honest God, straight I didn't punch myself that yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. I just got a blood nose on the playground, ran to the toilet, and then it was that was it. I was like, I can't do this. They're all going to be laughing at me now. You know, I'm supposed to be this tough guy with all these other, you know, fifteen other guys that are trying to join special yeah. forces too and I'm this guy who just got a blood nose and ran off the parade yeah, ground. Yeah. So then I just started saying, nah, can't do this, can't do this. Went to the army hospital, speaking to the psychs and that and I'm like, nah, 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 nah. Um, and then they're asking questions why and I started blaming my father just to get out of it, which it was not his fault at all. And I'm like, oh, he made me do it. You know, he was in the army for 20 years. He expected me to join the army, you know, all this stuff just to try and get out of it, yeah. which was not the case at all. Yeah. And they had to drive up. Mum and Dad drove up to see me because I had to stay. I had to wait to get discharged. I had to sit in the hospital for like a week and a half before they discharged me. Um, and they came up to see me, and I could just see. Yeah, and that actually because I had to speak to them then as well, obviously. And they come and saw me, and Dad straight out said to me, "Why did you say it was my fault?" Yeah, you know, and I just didn't know what to say. And I could tell, you know, I knew, I knew I'd done the wrong thing, but at the time I just didn't want to, I had to get out of there. Yeah. The only way I thought to myself I could get out was just to make all these excuses up on why I was there. So yeah. they'd just go, oh, well, if you didn't want to be, you can go then, you know? Yeah, yeah. You thought that so, would be easy, get out. Yeah. So, you know, again, you know, with career aspirations and stuff and just silly decisions and stuff because of the anxiety and that just, you know, ruins 
stuff that, you know, I was so passionate about doing. You know, I always wanted to do it. I was in the cadets when I was younger and, you know, got cadet of the year and all this sort of stuff and, yeah, just ruined. You know, I'd, there's no way from that point on I'd ever be able to join again twice. I, you know, yeah. didn't show up one time. Surprise! I got picked the second time because I didn't show the first time and then I pull all this crap while I'm there and so I knew after that point there was no way I'd ever be joining the military or any government military not just the army but yeah, yeah. so you know it just it affects everything you know and that's I suppose what I want to just let people know is that if you can sort of recognise it when you're younger if you do I suppose have these sort of feelings and emotions and stuff to talk about it then and try and do stuff to help then so that you don't get to those points where you may affect stuff that you are so passionate about and wanting to do, you know, whether it's a career, whether it's a sporting achievement, something like that. So, yeah. Dealing, that was my next question is what's your advice to people? Yeah, I think that's more what it is. Like I sort of knew back then, you know, like I said, when I was a teenager, I, I sort of started recognizing there was issues, but I never did anything about it. And yeah. I think it comes just comes back to that you're a bloke, supposed to be tough, you know, you don't have these sort of feelings. Guys don't feel these sort of feelings and yeah. stuff, you know. And then you'd start making all those excuses up, you know, why you can't do something. So, yeah. yeah. I think that's uh, what I've learned lately is I guess we're all put on this earth for some reason. A lot of people won't believe that, but. Maybe it just that wasn't your true calling mm. to go into the army or the and special forces. Your calling was to come out of that and be able to help other people through. Yeah, and follow their passions. Maybe your sons mm. might have had that anxiety, and they might have dreams. And you're like, all right, let's let's do something about this anxiety before you really follow this through. Yeah, which I'm sure is probably going to make you more proud than what you would have been going to the army. Mm. So, and I'm a big believer in that it all happens for a reason. Yeah. Um, and maybe that was not meant to be you. You were meant mm. to be this man who's now tattoos. <laughs> who looks who looks so scary, scary, quite scary to the outlook. Um, yeah. With those people that do judge, and um, you're basically putting into people's head that it's okay to have anxiety, but you know maybe talking about it might help you get through that, and it might mm. be one of your sons that one day wakes up and goes, "I can't do this," and you go. Let's talk about it. Mm. No pressure. Let's talk about it. And then so and then I'll go, No, I want to go do this now. Because they've just unleashed all that emotion that they've yeah. been holding on to. So Yeah, for sure. Maybe that's that's what I'm meant to do rather than help with the army side of things. Yeah. Um so kudos to you. Um with all of that. Um, I wasn't going to ask what your plans are for the future because I don't want to put that pressure and stress on you <laughs> unless you want to answer that. Yeah, I can answer that. Yeah. I'm happy to. Um so we've we've sort of got some plans um, to you know once our kids are we had them so young that they're nearly old enough you know the middle child's he gets his license next year Jaden and Nathaniel's only a few years, three years away from being eighteen getting his license and once he um, does that we're gonna probably move out to the country get some block of land or something and move out in the country we've always wanted to live in the country so and I, and I feel I think I'm a better person out there yeah. Um, We've got friends that live down property and we see them every now and then. I go hunting with them and Betty will tell you I'm like a total different person when I'm out there. I'm like so happy. I'm relaxed. Oh, I can go stand out in the bush by myself, you know, not worry about 
where Betty is and what she's yeah, doing yeah. or, you know, or stuff like that. And I can go walk through bush where I have never don't even know where I'm going and not even be stressing that I'm going to get lost or can't get back or, yeah, like being that unknown area, which I don't like being in normally, like in general day-to-day stuff, I don't like the unknown um, and stressing about it to being out there and being able to do it. Without any stress, you know what I mean? I guess that shows how powerful anxiety and pain and stress can be. Is it mm. can just pop up when you really don't want it to. And yeah. then sometimes it's just gone. It's mm. just different things. and That trigger it. and oh, Yeah, I don't, it's the sweetest, like being out in nature, just it all just goes away sort of thing. And that's, I mean, that's another powerful message to people who are listening that, you know, follow what you want to do because mm. naturally you'll lose those, those anxious and stressful feelings. Mm. Yeah. And then the self-sabotage doesn't happen and yeah. all of that. So follow what doesn't make you feel like shit, basically. Yeah. yeah. And find the stuff that makes you feel good. And that, I mean, does that take away the money stress as well? Like being out there, nature, all of that, is that something that would help money stress for you? Or? I think so. I mean, obviously, if we're in the right position when we move out there, yeah. then, yeah, it wouldn't be an issue, I don't think, because, yeah, we'd be... You'd plan it and make sure you're right. And then when you're out there, yeah, yeah. you'd be set up. So Ready to, ready to go. Yeah, yeah. It was yeah. a big reality check for us after a situation we had at the start of this year, I think it was, with him and his back. And he went, our friends had gone, we went and stayed up with our friends. And within that one night we were there, changed our whole mind on what we were doing, our, where our future was going to go yeah. and where we were going to look to because he went hunting by himself and I didn't want him to go because yeah. we had just been through some shit and he had told me a few things and I was my girlfriend, she's like, no, he'll be fine, he'll be fine. And the whole time he went off by himself and we went off. All I could think of, he's by himself. He's got a bloody gun in his hand. Yeah. What am I going to come home to? Well, we got home hours later and he had done all the chickens, he had fed the horses, he had chopped up wood, he had killed a pig, he had done all this Feral stuff. Wild. Wasn't a pet <laughs> And was a totally different person. Yeah. And that was, to me, that was sort of an eye-opener to me thinking. I just thought, no, this is not... We need to now sort of change, yeah. change things, you know. When yeah. the kids are a bit older and can do a bit more for themselves, we've now got to look at our steps to making this happen for him, yeah. to make things, for him to be a, a bit more at ease with life. Yeah, happier. You know? Yeah. And calmer and more mm. relaxed, which will help you immensely as well. Yes. Because <laughs> there's yes. no doubt you worry and stress about the yes. one you love. And, yeah. Um, yeah. And he probably is like, shit, I don't want her to stress about me. I don't, oh, I don't think I, mean. I don't think you would have given a second thought that day whether I was stressing you about um, I don't think it... <laughs> thought that he was just, I think, just needed to go off by himself, yeah. you know, I think was all that was in his head, but I don't even, because I didn't tell him, I didn't say any, that yeah. was any of my worries. I was just in the car with my girlfriend just the whole time and just going, she's going to stop, you know? And then I'd be messaging him knowing that he's got no service, and he's not messaging me back, and I'm going, oh, he usually messages me by now, <laughs> sort of thing, and... And then when we got back and pulled up and the fire and everything was going, I sort of thought, oh, and he goes, oh, I've done this and I've done that. And his whole face had just changed. There was just a total look, different look on his face. And I just yeah. said from that day on, yeah, this is where we've got to be. Well, on that note, on that happy note, I'll <laughs> say you, you said you weren't well, as advanced as some other people. But I think us hearing and listening, I'm really enthralled, I think that's the word, uh, for it. By your story, and um, I didn't even look at this. Usually, I look at the screen to make sure it's still going. I didn't even look at it at all today, <laughs> so I just checked then it's still going, it's still rolling. Um, 
I, just, I was really interested in what you had to say and I know it's going to help other people out there and I think you are more advanced than what you think you are. I think that's just the stress and the pressure you probably put on yourself. Um, you do have a beautiful family. I've seen that. I did a little bit of stalking on Facebook's <laughs> Um And I, I really do hope that now that you... And that having that goal of living out in the bush... That is further advanced than so many people because you have. Um, we don't have to have goals, but having that there, knowing that that's a happy place, mm. that's advanced than wherever anyone else is. A lot of yeah. other people are. Yeah. A lot of people are living the moment, which is okay, but don't know where the future is. Mm. So I think you probably need to give yourself a little bit more credit sometimes <laughs> for what you've been through, what yeah. you're continually working through. And sitting here talking to me, who we don't know each other that well, oh, no. <laughs> that's that's pretty impressive as well. Yeah. Um, and to obviously go through the podcast as well. So yeah. I'll thank you both for coming in. I really do appreciate it. And um, you know, I really do hope this helps someone out there. I'm sure it will. And I hope it helps you too, too. as well. Thanks, so, Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Power, Strength and Vulnerability, the mental health podcast. If anything in this podcast has brought up difficult feelings, please call Lifeline on 13 1144. For any further information, or if you want to bring your story to life, contact Shane at shane at vitalityfit.com.au. That's V I T A L I T Y F I T T.com.au.